Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode, Friday, the 23rd of February of Fingerprints of Grief podcast. And I'm here in the studio live and acknowledge Victor, our producer, who does all his amazing stuff behind the scenes. And um, it's a warm day in Dallas. Uh, we were talking about that before I introduce our guest. It is uh, in the 80s and it's February. So we're going to tackle about 88 degrees next Monday. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but a lot of people say they like it. We'll see. As long as it stays below 90, I think I'll be fine. Um, I wanted to, I'm really excited about our guest tonight for uh, a variety of reasons. And um, as you know, if you have not followed us on Fingerprints of Grief podcast on Facebook, please do that. Uh, The Instagram page will be ready this weekend, so I'll be sharing that as well as Um, our LinkedIn pages too. And um, basically the fingerprints of grief, I just wanted to make sure that everyone understands that this is an open place for us to have conversations with a variety of people from athletes to authors, celebrities, and um, regular folks like us that are around the country who've experienced various forms of loss. And that doesn't necessarily always have to mean a loss of physical loss of someone Um, passing away. It could be the loss of a dream, the loss of a pet, which is passing away, or loss of a a relationship um, or a job. So I think, you know, those are things that are very valid and that we need to remember are emotional for us. And we go through those things and um, that are also our forms of grief. Um, So we'll have practical advice on the show. We'll have insights. We want to honor those that have left us and that we want to leave behind uh, their legacy and talk about them because that fills us with hope and inspires other people to learn more about who we are as people. And then talking about the various stages that we're at. Sometimes the grief can be very fresh. Sometimes it can be 10 years, like, you know, it's been almost 10 years next month since I lost my mom. And there are days that are better than others. But as that date uh, comes of her passing, it becomes more emotional for me and more sentimental. And um, I think people understand when you lose someone that you love, not only is their birthday uh, an important day, but the day of their passing or their homecoming um, is also a, a day that we really want to celebrate and honor too. So um, just make sure that you are following us. If you have questions about any of the shows, um, you can send me direct messages and um, this will be our fourth episode. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce a really good friend of mine and we met on Facebook. We we tried to get together with him and his wife multiple times in Dallas, and he'll tell you about some of the things he does when he comes to, to town for some of the celebrity um, softball classic and, and baseball things that are going on in the city. But um, we really we met for the first time in Vegas a couple of weeks ago at the Super Bowl. So um, I'm really honored to have Gerald Smiley on the show today. Hi, my friend. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good. I'm so glad you're here. I'm doing great. Um, so, yeah, so we met for the first time, you and Jennifer, finally. Yay. We did. It, it yeah, took that us was awesome. three years. Yeah. Hey, that's better late than never. It is better late than never, right? Um, yeah. Why don't you just give everybody a, kind of an overview of you and your background, and we'll dive into some of the things that we're going to talk about on the show, but just so everybody has an understanding of who you are and some of the really amazing things that you've done um, in your career and then in your personal life as well. 
I appreciate that. Uh, first and foremost, hope your day is going fabulous, just as you are as a human being. And uh, continue to spread the love that you do. And uh, those who are around you uh, need your uplifting and the love that you give. So thank you. Uh, Gerald Smiley, born and raised in Seattle, Washington, uh, was blessed with some, with some talent and blessed with people in the community uh, who, who saw things in myself and uh, helped my parents become who I am today. And, um, yeah, so I had the opportunity out of high school to go play uh, professional baseball, pitch for the Texas Rangers organization. Uh, you get hurt, you become a bad investment. You got to go figure out your life at some point. Um, so coached college for eight years and scouted uh, for Major League Baseball teams for seven. Um, and just fast forward, uh, moved back to Seattle. My mom got sick in 2016. And, um, yeah, it's been an up-and-down journey since 2016 uh, with grief, as we're, we're here talking about. Um, been in real estate for about 10 years now, got my license back doing some phenomenal things um, with buyers and sellers, but we're actually launching our mobile app called Chip In uh, next month. And Chip In is a FinTech platform where we help people raise money uh, for social media followers of celebrities and athletes. We help celebrities and athletes raise money for causes they care about. And one of those lanes will also be able to help their followers with real estate. So um, just doing that, I, I Live in Seattle with my wife. My wife and I are a blended family. We have nine children and uh, just loving every moment that. of life. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Learned something new. I said I learned something new. I didn't know you had nine together. We do. Ain't that my crazy? My goodness. Yes. Wow. <laughs> my, my wife doesn't look like she popped out five kids either. No, she looks ph phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. That's my best friend. Yeah, I I said you like you're like one of the best husbands. I she's very lucky because I, I watch how you guys like love on each other and it's so inspirational. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it takes time to get there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's never. It takes time, all the time for good things, right? Amen. 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 Um. So talk talk about the Rangers real quick because I know uh, obviously us being in in Dallas, uh, we're in Irving actually the studios, but. Um, spring training. We're seeing that on the sports channels right now. It's the opening days coming up. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey to get to the MLB. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously it starts as a young kid, to be honest with you. You you, you, you put in the work, you put in the effort, the, the coaches and the community pour love into you. You have to see a vision in yourself, first and foremost, if you're ever going to get to a professional level. Uh, and then you have to be willing to understand what it takes to get to that level. A lot of sacrifices, um, whether it's, uh, you know, after practice, you're, you're putting in more work, you know. You can't do the same things that everybody else on your team's doing or everyone got just as good as you today. So what extra are you doing outside of there? Uh, and then, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, you know, what, what, what are you eating? How are you staying hydrated? What what type of food are you putting in your body first and foremost? Are you are you putting minerals, the right minerals in your body? That you know we'll touch <laughs> we, we can touch on that later. Yeah, and, uh, good good cue there. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, and 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 just really being able to see that you're 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 just as good as everybody else once you get to the pro level. There's a lot of guys that are better than you, smarter than you. Um, just really being able to lean on those coaches 
for player development. That's something that we don't see down at the youth level is player development. There's a lot of coaches in the marketplace. There's a lot of people who just take your money, but they don't really understand what player development looks like and how to really develop players. Your philosophy and your, your, your training um, is one, but you have a whole bunch of coaches saying different things to the kids and they're confusing kids um, because those words don't mean the same thing to a child's brain as they mean to you, right? So right. a player, a real player development system, they use the same keywords, keywords. Um, all staff are on the same page of what it comes down to, what those words look like, but our philosophy doesn't change. And then um, just really being able to, to show up for your teammates, not just yourself, understanding that baseball is a team sport, but it's an individual sport within that team sport. Um, I, I look to see um, the Rangers um, go go deep back into the playoffs, if not back in the World Series this year. They've added, they've added some more weapons, and they've kept the weapons that they had. Uh, the front office is just making phenomenal moves. They're investing in their players. They're investing in their staff. All the way from the strength development department, all the way to the um, um, to the, um, the the physical therapist that they have, and the trainers in the training room. Uh, it takes a village, and you look at you look at baseball today. There's a lot of organizations now. They want you in the training room, right? They want you in there for preventative measures. Back when we played, you know, it was frowned upon to be in the training room. Oh, Smiley's in the training room again. Oh my gosh. But now today, society, they're really understanding how to protect their investment. You know, I had three surgeries in five years. Um, there was a lot of surgeries in our organization my first three years as well. Um, it's not a knock on, you know, the strength conditioning coordinators back then or, or whatever the, the situation may be. But there was just a lot of things done differently and a lot of guys got hurt. Yeah. And when you go to the pro level, you know, they own you. You have to do what they say. So. Um, I just like what the Rangers are doing. They, they take preventative measures, and, and you know, the, the obviously Bruce Bochy is one heck of a manager. Um, loves his guys, invests in his guys, talks to his guys. It's a two-way street. It's not a one-way street, and guys just love playing for him. Do you think? Do you think that? I mean, it just seems so. You look at what the Chiefs just did, right? Which is yeah. kind of that Patriots, you know, dynasty comparing Mahomes to Brady, but it is difficult because you look at a lot of these NFL guys that they never got back to that game. You know, they never get back to that big game. But it seems to me like, I don't know, I feel like it's even harder in Major League Baseball to get back. I mean, is it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, it, it's it's not as hard to stay at the top of your division um, or uh, one of the top competitors in your division. Obviously, if you keep the same core of guys, um, but it is hard to repeat, you know, to, to win your division. It's hard to repeat as a world series champion. It's hard. Yeah. Um, everyone else is adding new pieces and finding the gap that they missed last year in today's game. Obviously, uh, data and stats are telling us different things from when, when I used to play. So, um, being able to repeat is hard and they know at some point, some teams have missed their opportunities or their windows based on how old guys are and, how many guys are free agents and, you know, are they going to be moved? Are they going through arbitration? There's just a lot of moving pieces that, that, that people look at, but it's definitely super hard to repeat um, as a world series champion guys have done it, but I just feel like what, what the Rangers are put together. I, I feel strongly. They have a strong chance. Um, I told guys last year in, in before the season even started, the Rangers were going to win the World Series. Everyone should go bet money on it. I didn't do it, but I told everyone, just watch. I wish I'd have known the, you. The roster they assembled last year before the season even started. I didn't hear you say that. I would have bet on them. 
Yeah, but it was kind of a no-brainer, right? Yeah. And then you have Max Scherzer goes down with an injury, DeGrom goes down with an injury, and they still do what they did. So now you look at the makeup and the mechanics of that roster of adding DeGrom and adding Scherzer back, and you're just like, wow. Yeah. So you think they, you do think that they have the ability to do it again? Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. And if you don't go better on Kim, I'm going to be mad at you. All right. Well, I got you. You heard it here first before spring, tr- before the opening day. Um, <laughs> so nine kids, what are the ra- age ranges? Wow. 26 to 10. My, my nine-year-old will be 10 in four days. Oh, wow. And yeah. so what, what grade is that? Eighth grade? No, he's in the fourth grade. Okay. Fourth grade. Okay. So you, yeah, it's a wide range. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's so fun. Um, what are your, how is the kind of the blending of the family? Cause you guys have been together a long time. Well, well, we've been, yeah, we've been together for four. We've been married for two. It'll be three going on. Oh, I was uh, thinking it was longer. Okay. So that's so, yeah. So that's, that's amazing. Like you guys should write a book about how you did that because that's a we, big group of people. We actually are because there was trials and tribulations, obviously, in the beginning and a lot of different things that try to pull you away from each other. And there was a lot of moments that tested you and said, hey, is this worth it? But yeah. every, every time I uh, came home to her, uh, went to bed, woke up next to her, um, same vice versa. We just say, you know what? That's just the devil trying to trying to pull us apart. Yeah. Our, lo- our love for one another. We were friends first, too, you know, so um there was just nothing that was going to break us. That's and awesome. now, now everything is is good and we're just continuing to cruise and we're just building. I love it. Um, so as we dive into, well, real quick, cause I want, we'll talk about this at the very end, but chip in, um, how can people find you? So let's give them, if they're looking while they're listening, might be driving, listening. Um, how do they get in touch with you? If they have questions or they want to know more about you or they want to, need a real estate agent in Seattle how do they what's the best uh contacts for you for people to reach you yeah for sure well they can go to our our, our landing page that we have up now for our placeholder before we launch on iOS and Android it's www.gochip-in.com g-o-c-h-i-p-in.com that's our placeholder um they can see what's coming um we did proof of concept prior to that. We helped raise $3.8 million for organizations prior to that. And we incentivize and reward people to do good in their community and help other people. And uh, we drive B2C sales to sponsors, whether you're a social media follower or influencer or business or not. I looked at the, the sponsorship model and it's pretty, it's dried up a lot, as you know. Yeah. Um, but how do we drive sales back to our sponsors is, is really what um, our narrative is to help people just want to do good things in, in the community. Um, and then real estate, obviously, um, you can call me, 206-890-8219. Um, we have realtors locked and loaded throughout the country and uh, other countries. And, uh, yeah, we just look forward to what's coming and how we're going to rebuild countries as well, especially the Dominican Republic and Venezuela with our athletes. We're going to rebuild that country through a very unique model of fans helping us do so. That's amazing. No, I, oh, Chipton is going to be really exciting. And I know this week we're going to do a demo because I'm excited to see that. And ROI is just so important 
for the competition. Uh, there's so much competition for dollars, and it really comes down to how are you getting the sponsor a return on their investment. It has to make sense for them. Otherwise, it, it just doesn't make sense to them. Um, so I'm excited to talk more about that um, in the future. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the, the main crux of this is, for me, I just felt um, – a lot of emotions around my mom passing away and watching her, uh, the cancer eat her alive in 2014, um, very traumatic time. And then over the last almost 10 years, um, riding, I call it riding the waves of grief, you know, the up and down, the high tides, the low tides. And there's those uh, acute critical times, you know, for me, it was like the first three years. And then as I kind of got to the three year over the hump to four, you know, you kind of have those where you're like, okay, now I've got to really sit with this. And, and then there's always going to be, as I share before, and, and on my Facebook posts a lot, that there's triggers along the way. And so um, let's talk a little bit about, because I know you've had a lot of loss, but w- probably your mom was very instrumental, impactful. So let's talk a little bit about that. When did you lose your mom and kind of what have you learned in that journey um, that thus far, because we never end it, right? We're, we grieve every day. We're every in day. it because grief is love with nowhere to go. We can't love them in Amen. person. So we have to find ways to, to honor that within ourselves and to, to show them and, and to, you know, create a way that we can love them another way. But let's talk a little bit about that. Cause I know everyone is it, when they lose their parent, it's very, very monumental. Yeah, it's, it's deep. And I mean, you hit it on the head. It's a, it's an everyday thing, right? It never goes away. And um, when I lost my mom, I'll rewind real quick. I lost my grandfather May 12, 2017. Found him face down in his bedroom. Uh, I came home from out of town and found him there. And then fast forward, I lost my mom October 1st, 2017 uh, on my birthday. And I spent 39 days in a row in the hospital with her. I left just for an hour or two max and came right back, slept every single night there with her. Um, That time in the hospital just felt different. And I didn't think she was going to, I didn't think she was going to come home and uh, definitely didn't want my mom being alone in in the hospital uh, by herself. And also just the treatment. You never know what doctors will do or won't do. And uh, just wanted to make sure I was that voice for her. While she was struggling, we could still make good decisions on her behalf. Uh, then my dad died 2018, uh, about a year and a half after my mom passed. And so I lost three most detrimental, um, three most influential people in my life, which was a big detriment to my, my, my psyche, my, my, uh, my heart, my soul. Um, and at that time, uh, it never gets easy, no matter how old you are, right? It still hurts the same. I don't care if you're 12 or you're 50. It, it, it's right. painful. And sometimes, you know, as kids, we think our parents are going to live forever. But as we continue to get older, we know that's just not a reality. But a, a, a part of me was just trying to stay busy all the time because it, it, it just hit me like a wave just came crashing with all three. And I was like, Okay, with my grandfather, just stay busy, stay focused on my mom. Then my mom was gone. Stay busy, stay busy. So I really never took the time to grieve. And, you know, there was counseling services through my mom's employer and, you know, my dad's employer. And obviously I can go get my own counselor with my insurance. But 
I just, I was like, just stay busy, just stay focused. You'll, it'll, it'll pass. And that was my real first time trying to figure out how to do something on my own that I've never experienced. And I thought I could do it. And then reality set in and fast forward, the whole world gets shut down. We're locked in COVID. Oh gosh. And you just don't have the tools and you just think you can get through this. And then I woke up one day and I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm really depressed. This is, this is getting me. And, um, by the grace of God, you know, my, my wife is uh, the most loving human being on this planet. And I, and I mean that sincerely. Um, uh, I can talk to her about anything. I could cry. I could do, I could be me. Um, and she, she was my outlet and my voice, you know, that I could utilize with her to say, you know, I'm hurting. And my wife, uh, lost her father in 2017, a month before my mom passed. And we were in two different hospitals on the same street, basically in Seattle, going through the same thing. And we didn't even know each other at that moment, but oh, then, wow. we, and we met each other and we had these stories. So <clears throat> I, I was, I was trying to be that tough man. You know, men are taught to be tough. Don't cry. Don't be a baby. Don't be a sissy or what other words people are thrown at, at, at you as a male when you have feelings. And I woke up one day, I said, you know what? I don't have to be strong anymore. I don't have to be this tough guy anymore. I don't have to hide my feelings and emotions. I don't care what people think. And I just started really looking and assessing my mom and dad's life and my grandfather's life and looking at their age. <clears throat> and then I said, okay, you know what? I'm not that far away from their age. So what does the rest of my life look like? What, what, what am I going to align myself with? And if it doesn't align, I'm just going to have to start saying no. And that's just, that's just life. And I think when I started doing that, a lot of weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um, I started to remove a lot of people from my life and my circle. Um, just so I can, just so I can heal. I had a lot of childhood trauma. And when you, and you touched on those word that word earlier triggers, right? We all have triggers. Yeah. I don't I don't care who you are, something triggers you, whether it's good or bad, it's a trigger. Yeah. And <clears throat> I woke up one day and I just started I told my wife and I reached out to somebody else and I said, you know what, I need some tools. Cause I don't think I have the tools to keep acting like I know how to get through this by myself. I, I don't think I have enough strength. I have God, I have faith, but what I'm doing right now by myself and locked up in COVID and just compounding these negative thoughts and missing my mom and wish I could just call her. You know, what's crazy, Kim, is one day the Lakers were playing on TV right after my dad passed, and I went to pick up the phone to call him because we normally call each other when the games are on. Yeah, right? I did that with my dad, too. It's hard when you get sucker punched because you forget that they're not going to answer the phone. Man, so I called him one day, and I went to call him, and I just – he didn't answer. I, I know, to, it's brutal. I went to his voice and I just started crying. I was like, dude, you're tripping. He's not even here, you yeah. know? So at, at that moment, I was like, okay, I need, I need to figure out some tools. Um, I didn't end up going to counseling, um, but I did do a lot of research online, a lot of meditating, um, a lot of guided meditation um, of, of how to just really breathe. People think they're not to breathe, but you don't really know how to breathe either. You know? Oh, I don't know how to breathe. I still don't know how to breathe. And I try to take those breathing courses. I still don't even know if I, I don't breathe all the way through. And yeah. there's a lot of blockage. 
in that in the body when you don't know how to breathe through all the way i still struggle with it yeah most people don't know and and, and when i first really learned that was in spring training when you're they, they they put this this little uh, tube in your mouth there's a ball and there's a the, the ball on the screen and the screen the ball is supposed to continuously move and flow right and I was like, all the things I was taught as a professional athlete, I need to start getting back to that. It's easier to get out of shape than it is to get back in shape. Yeah. And I just started saying, you know what? I need to start freeing up my time, get laser focused, and really just start to remove myself from different tables and circles, honestly, um, to help me with what I need help with. It's okay to say time out. I need to take care of me right now. I need a moment. And most people don't do that. They don't. And I think that's really critical because, um, in fact, I'm just going to read this because this is good for, for, for exactly what you said. A couple things. One, men do not grieve the same way as women. Amen. You guys, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Men are hunters, women are gatherers. You know, we are built differently. We are made up differently. And, you know, and and then, you know, Kenny Gant was on a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about, you know, his grandfather, you know, telling him, you know, boys don't cry. You, you can't, you know, you got to be tough. And, you know, and realizing that, that that's not true. Like, that's not... <laughs> true so no. finding that vulnerability for men and boys and, and and young men is so critical but something that you said that it's taken me a long time to get to but i preach it a lot especially when people i know like a good friend of mine lost her mother two weeks ago and so i am always sending her different things and this is something i read today it was it, it was um so applicable and i'm going to read this because you're going to get it grief is so is the most heart is the hardest work you will ever do it is emotionally draining emotionally exhausting physically draining and physically exhausting again and again no matter how hard you try to push it away and move on compartmentalize you're going to keep coming up against the fact that your loved one is now gone you yep. want to tell them something, and then you remember they're not here. You go to call them, and you go, oh, no, they're like I do with my dad. This is key. We have to be gentle with ourselves every minute of the day. Remind ourselves that we are okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay in that hour. It's okay. Maybe it's two hours. We're not okay. What do we do in that time that we're not okay? If you just you just can't get stuck there though. That's what I was going to say. You can't get stuck. So it, so what I tell people is there are there are no rules to grief. There is not a manual for grief. However, if you're starting to see yourself go down that dark hole of addiction, whether that's sexual addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, shopping addiction to avoid, that's going to take you on a whole new spiral and bring a whole nother level of emotional trauma, physical right. everything. So but right. but it is so important and for me, I think I can say that losing my dad a year ago, I always felt that, oh, but I've got my dad. And then that minute when they go and, you know, you lost yours a year apart. Oh, my gosh. My sister lost her, our dad and her mom 10 days apart. So when that happens, you really start to feel, I felt very lonely. I felt very, very lonely. 
lonely, just vulnerable and like out mm-hmm. in the world going, I don't have a parent left to protect me. You know, yeah. I don't have that confidant to go to and cry and be vulnerable to and just say, man, I'm broken right now. I need help getting put back together. Yeah. It's a very hard place. And, and sadly, there are people that, you know, you and I are believers. I don't say you have to be a Christian to listen to my podcast. We all have our own beliefs, but Amen. I can't imagine not having my faith to get me through what I've been through the last 10 years because I wouldn't be sitting here if I didn't. Amen. You know. you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, <clears throat> we go back to the grief thing. It's not just losing someone to death. You know, you could be married and you're losing your wife or you're losing your husband in the middle of your marriage and you're trying to keep it all together and figuring out how do I do this? And we have kids together and we have assets together and we and and, and you see everything falling apart right in front of your face. You're grieving in that moment too, just trying to figure out how to how to make it work and then you lose that loved one and you and you you, you move on um this was your career your life your job and you lost it now you're grieving grieving to me also comes with reshaping your identity yeah oh gosh that's a good point no you feel like the per well let's just say i always say there was a kim before my mom died and there was a kim after my mom passed. I mean, listen, I'm two different people. I am not the same person as I was when she was, when she passed. I'm a completely different person in, in ways that sometimes I still realize that that vulnerability that I hide a lot is always there. And we're not as comfortable to talk about it with people because we feel like that makes us weak. And so then you start suppressing that and then then you become even more lonely so you have that's why i wanted to do this podcast i wanted to create a place where we could talk about it and it's not a debbie downer talk you know it's like just let's just talk about it because we we don't know who we're gonna help you know that can that can hear it and and get something from one of our stories and you know it's crazy i never started my facebook to try to inspire people. I never, that's not why I created a Facebook. I just created a Facebook because that's where everyone hung out. And then I was like, okay, well, <laughs> let's just, let's just, this is where, this is where people are at. And this is where you see what's happening. Cause you know, I'm older. When, when, when we grew up, you picked up a phone and you just called people to see where they're at, or there was a party line and a chat line and you had to see where <laughs> the party was. You know what I mean? Or, or you got, you, as the a telephone. kid, you got, yeah, as a kid, you got on the on the kid as a kid, you got on the bike and you drove down the street to see if all the other bikes were laying in your friend's yard. You knew everyone was there, right? So yeah, that's really why I started it. And then I started to realize people started really messaging me in my inbox and saying, "Man, you have no idea what that post did for me today." You have no. I mean, I've had a couple of people on the edge of suicide, Kim, reach out to me and say. I stopped myself today because you said this in your Facebook post. And I was like, wow, this is God using me as his vessel to just use a platform to not just motivate, but let people know they're not alone either. We're all going through a lot of the same things. A lot of people just hide stuff better than others. If you really want to put it that way. So going back, going back to the reshifting identity is when you make, when you make changes in your behavior and when you make changes in your discipline, 
you're automatically reshaping your identity. You're going to find a new human being inside of you. And while you're doing that soul searching and making new daily habits, you only have to be 1% better every day. A lot of people say, you know, I got to get, I got to tackle all this today and I got to be 100% better today. Well, you're going to drive yourself in the ground. And that's what I used to do, trying to be so perfect and try to do all this all at once. So when we put all that pressure on ourselves. It's way too much. And when nobody yeah. else is putting that pressure on ourselves. No. And if they yeah. are putting that pressure on you, you need to remove yourself because this is, this is a, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint and your heart, your family, your health, all those things matter along your journey of reaching your destination through this marathon. So the identity search is, was very important for me saying, okay, I've lost so many people and I've lost 19 people since my dad died through wait, COVID. Wait, how many? 19 people since 2018 COVID. Oh my goodness. COVID murders, um, heart attacks, just crazy things. And I, I, that was my identity shift in myself and saying, okay, what does the rest of your life look like? Are you, you need to get disciplined in this area, this area, this area. And it's time for you to no longer get sidetracked and go, right? We all get sidetracked. We all have our moments. And people with big hearts like you and I and other people that are watching this and listening, we like to say yes to so many things because we're connectors and we know we can help you and we love you and we want to support you. And you you look you look at your watch and it's like, oh, holy crap, okay, it's What have I done? Then you go, what have I done for me it's today? 2024 and I've been doing this since 2012. Right. Damn, the last 12 years, I've been helping everybody else with their life. What yeah. Is, when are you going to be selfish enough and start taking care of you and getting to your destination? So I, I go back to the identity piece. I, I, the, a, a book, if I can recommend it to anybody listening, The Atomic Habits, it'll change your life. Everything, yeah. everything in that book is tailored to every single human being on this planet. Does it? It, and, it, and it fits every scenario that anyone's going through, they're in, have ever been in. And again, it just goes back down to your discipline. And I'll, I'll end on this, Kim. I tell people all the time when I go speak, if you know your purpose and you marry your why with your purpose, you're unstoppable. Nothing can stop you at that point. I don't care who you are. You know why you wake up. You know my purpose of why I'm waking up. You know my purpose. I know I know my purpose of what I'm doing in this universe because we're all borrowing time. Yeah. Nothing can stop me. Period. Only myself. And the most successful people in the world, they still have 24 hours in a day just like we do. <laughs> yeah. You know, um something you just said I think is powerful because uh one of the books that has been very impactful for me year, for years uh, but even more so, I think when mom was sick and I reread it when my dad was sick is uh, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, mm. Pastor Rick Warren. Love and I'll book. never forget the very first sentence in that entire book. It's not about you. It's not. However, I will say going back to what you and I talked about last week on the phone and on texting is that there does have to be a level of discernment about because we are big hearted people. We want to help everybody. Um, and then we realize that that's not reciprocated um, by some. That's that one-way one street fake love. Right. <laughs> and so I think 
that it's really important. And sometimes people say, what would you tell your younger self, right? If you could tell your younger self something, what would it be? That it's okay to say no, that no is okay, and that it's okay to put yourself first sometimes. That's, that's important, especially though when it comes to grief because, because you're exhausted. You're, you, you're like, you're, you feel stuck. You don't know which way to go. And like, you just don't have anything to give anybody. You barely have anything to give yourself. So yeah. it's important then that you have, I call it the tribe around you. And, and I think that I've learned throughout the last several years of my life from a near death experience from toxic black mold in 2006 to, mm. um, you know, then my mother, like when you go through hell is when you find out who your real friends are. It's not when you're at the top of the mountain working for Mark Cuban like I did again and everybody wants to be your friend. Yep. When you leave that, your mom's dying, I got to go take care of my mom. You find out who your real friends are and that's who your real friends are, right? Um, it's, it's, about, it's about quality, not quantity at that point. It is. And, and that was, and, and, you know, it's funny that you just said that quality, quantity, I'm going through my Facebook page too and just deleting people that I don't even know. They don't pour into my life. And people that I do know that don't pour into me, they're they're just looking and lurking. And Right. Um, why do I have 5,000 people on my Facebook and we're all connected by six degrees separation and they know 5,000 and then they can share it, do this. And those are just a lot of spies who just want to bring you down. And most people aren't clapping for you. You know what I mean? Right. They're just really not. They might hit a like button or just watch something. They're not pouring into your life. But when when they reach out and say, hey, G, can you show up for my podcast? Hey, G, can you show up and do this? Hey, can you show up at this event? Hey, can you do this? I don't ask for things in return. But if I'm going to ask for something and uh, say, hey, look, can you help me out too? And people right. aren't there whether it's me or anyone else, there's a lot of people watching this and are listening to this. They've been down that rabbit hole. It's time to start saying, you can start saying get, no. Yeah. You let's just, get our okay. circle smaller. Let's find a new group of friends. And honestly, we're not going to elevate our lives. If we're the smartest people at the table, we're just not, we're just not. That's the formula. There's no secret sauce period. And if you're yeah. trying to go somewhere, you got to go find a different layer of how you're going to level up. So you can grow your knowledge and then go back to people who really do deserve your time and you can teach them the formula too. We can't be just greedy and, and learn everything we're learning and not go build up other people. That's just my belief doesn't mean I'm right or wrong, but we got to go find people who are in our situations, who have been in our situations and say, you know what, this person is worthy of our time. Right. They're trying their best. They need some tools too. And as leaders, our job is to identify people who are doing their best and just are lacking a few tools. And if you would just give them one or two tools, their life can go where it really needs to go. Right. So smart. Um, no, it's I, smart. I, and I do. And I do think that I think it's OK also to remember that your circle of friends are going to change over different times of your life. It's like I remember going to therapy years ago when I was going through a breakup um, my, my ex-boyfriend John and we were best friends and we went to counseling to break up and it was very difficult for me and I remember her putting a bullseye like a dartboard on the uh, wall mm. and she had me throw darts and she said 
Okay, so that one on the outside, that person on that outside in maybe two or three years might come to the bullseye. People from mm. your bullseye and in those inner circles, they might go outward. So exactly. that, that, that is a living, breathing dartboard that those pins are going to move around. And it's okay. It's okay to, to, you know, to not, you know, to wake up one year and go, you know, we just grew apart. It doesn't mean I wish them ill will. It doesn't mean anything. It's just like, I wish them the best. I love them. You know, go, we, we just don't, we just don't vibe anymore. And that's okay. Yeah, it is. You're either growing together or you're growing apart, period. Whether it's friendship, whether right. it's business, whether it's a relationship with your spouse, it just, and, and, and at some point when you grow too far apart and you just cannot rekindle that, whether it's a working relationship or friendship or relationship you just can't rekindle that because you're so far grown and the other person or employer or whoever is just stagnant sitting here not wanting any more out of their life right. and just being on cruise control thinking it's okay like i don't want to live that way honestly i i feel we all have a higher power that everyone believes in i'm, a, I'm i believe in, in my jesus christ as my savior but I also believe that your calling is higher than you ever could imagine. You just got to give time, give space to clear it so the universe can bring that to you. So your true blessings can really reach you and the anointing can really happen that you are on your way to where you really want to. And honestly, most people don't hold themselves accountable for what they say they want. They don't really own the goal. They don't really own the why. They just talk about it. They don't really own it. Well, it's and work. It's hard yeah, work. It is. <laughs> it you is know? hard work. It is not easy. And and you know, I, I my friend Rodney, that we, we did we did uh, the Tim Brown event together at the Super Bowl, and I remember thinking like on the outside on Facebook and social media, it all seems so cool, but there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes that people don't understand. So yeah, the the yeah. final thing. Yes, you can celebrate that, but the work that you're doing, the midnight grind till two in the morning to get those lists together, to make sure the press is coming. I mean, the con it's a lot of work and you got to be willing to do it the is. work. And if you're not, you're not going to get very far. A lot of people see the finished product. They don't see the, the, the dust and the dirt and everything that had to get dusted off and polished and no one sees that. They see athletes as, oh my God, look at them. They have no idea what they've been through. A, a celebrity or just even a regular human being who just picked, picked themselves up off the ground because they've gotten knocked down and now look where they are at today because they didn't quit. They don't see all those different things. They don't see how many times you've cried at night, how many times your bank account went almost to zero or negative or, or how much, how many times you didn't have a, a certain amount of food in your fridge just because you made other sacrifices and, you know, a lot of people look at entrepreneurs that are successful and success means so many different things on so many different levels. But when the media looks at entrepreneurs and athletes, they see these things that are just shiny and sparkly and they might have a big house and a big car. But what do you know what really goes on in that house? Is there real love going on inside that yeah, house? Yeah, I mean, it's what the, the whole the whole thing about you really don't know. You and don't know. You you know, but but we live in that shiny society when you're literally, you know, seeing all the shiny magazines and the cars and the celebrity. That's not real life. I mean, that's not no. real life. No. And, and it's funny when you said near death experience came like I, I'm just thankful every day I wake up that I'm still here. I've, I've had a lot of near death situations. 
I was 11 years old, had a gun put in my mouth because of my skin color. We're walking down the street with my friends. We had to run into this lady's house, call the cops, and they had, I don't think they ended up finding the people um, or the person. Um, fast forward, uh, you know, I'll be vulnerable and honest. You know, I tried to commit suicide twice as a kid. I hated my life. I didn't like how I was always whooped with belts and the discipline I was getting. And I was getting smacked in the face by my grandmother. She used to wear two rings on each hand. And she would, it was, I grew, I grew up where you couldn't say anything. You, you could not say how you felt. Even if you said it the right way, you don't say nothing or you, you got your butt whooped. You know, I love my parents. They loved me. They did everything for me, but that was their way of trying to discipline me to say, you know what? I don't want you to turn out like these other kids that are in the hood that you're growing up in, in this community. So if I do it, someone in the streets doesn't have to do it. And that's what I was always told. So there right? was a method in their mind. There was a method of the why, but you didn't understand the why. Yeah. You know, and, and I swatted my daughter one time on her, butt. my, my oldest daughter, she was four she, with my hand. And I felt like the biggest piece uh, of, you know, what? And yeah. I was like, you know, what? I ain't never going to do that again. Yeah. And, but that crushed me because I look back on how the, how that did my mind as an adult and as a child. And that was trauma. I didn't want to get whooped all the time. I got literally, I got whooped for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like a lot. And, um, fast forward outside of trying to commit suicide and why I'm still here. And I'm, and I'm thankful that I did it. Um, in professional baseball, the, the it was like a month after I signed. I'm in Florida, and a buddy of mine is dating some gal, and I guess she was dating some uh, some Jamaican dude, and we were over at a barbecue, and a whole bunch of people left. I was still there. I was the only one there um, by myself. Uh -oh. my, friend was, my friend was dating this lady. They ended up going to Walmart and got some stuff, and long story short, I hear something just tink, tink, tink. It sounded like metal on a window. And looked at the window. There was nobody there. Fast forward time. Later on that evening, my friend and this gal, they go to bed. I'm in the living room. I'm playing video games. I'm 18 years old. And I hear a knock at the door. And I looked through the people. There was nobody there. And the dude just kicks in the door. And he has oh a machete. Gosh. He has a machete. And he puts it to my neck. And I'm on the couch. And he says, what are you doing in my wife's house? And I was like, what? So I'm 18 years old, about to die, about to get my neck chopped off by a Jamaican with dreads. If you don't play with Jamaicans with dreads, they will put, oh you, somewhere, they will put you somewhere where, they can, where you will never be found, okay? So he goes into the room, and they're scuffling in there, and I call my mom. I'm crying. Mama, I love you. I, I'm going to die. I don't know what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. I leave out the front door. My buddy gets out of the uh, – oh, he, he jumps out of the bedroom window, and – the lady says, don't call the cops. He's going to go back to prison. And I'm like, I'm running. I'm like, wait, what? You knew? You had a husband this whole time? You just didn't know he was getting out. I was like, whoa. Oh, so that's not good. No. So that was an experience. And then we had we had uh, two Dominican uh, players that showed up and at the apartment complex. I have to go get them. I go pick them up. We're in Iowa. One of the players on the top floor. I see these Caucasian dudes. My mom's Caucasian. I'm half black, half white, but most people don't see me as a white guy, right? So I come up the stairs and I see these dudes cleaning their guns and I'm like, oh crap, this is not going to oh, be no. good. So he comes out off of his patio. I go up the second floor and I turn around and he's standing on the top of the stairs and he cocks his shotgun 
and he says, "Nigger, what are you doing around here?" And I said, "Hey, man, I'm just oh going to I'm going to get my friend. I will leave." He goes, I "Already know who you're coming to get." You guys come to our town every year when you play base- baseball and try to steal our women. And I was like, oh, I was like, what is going on? So I go to my car. Boom. Fast forward. Another story of near-death experience. I have two more, and, and I'll end here. Uh, fast forward a couple months later, we're in Davenport, Quad Cities. We're at the mall. We're shopping. My teammates and I were shopping. I got some stuff for to send back home. My, my my teammates weren't done shopping. They go to the food court. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to carry these bags around the mall. I'm going to go drop these off at the car. I'm walking to the car, got my bags, and I see this dude running and this girl chasing her, chasing him. And he runs between this car and he comes in and he pulls out this gun and he looks at me and he says, nigger, you don't belong here. What are you doing around here? And his eyes are rolling in the back of his head, though. Came and tripped me out. So... The only thing that saved me, he put the gun, it was like a nine millimeter, he put it in my mouth. And the only thing that saved me was his girl. She said, how come every time you get loaded, you act like this? Instantly, my street smarts from where I'm from and God and angels and everyone else told me, okay, this dude is a coward. She just told me he doesn't do this because if he's done this before, he'd be in prison for life. Right. This is just an act. Calm, stay chill, figure out how to get out of this moment. So they start arguing, and he's yelling at her, and he's got the gun in my, he's yelling. So I just said, you know what, God, I'm going to just push this. I'm going to hit this out of my mouth, and I'm going to run. So they start arguing. His eyes are spinning, and I hit his gun, and I just started running. And I'm just bracing myself like I'm going to get shot. I'm tensing up. And then I run in between the cars and I disappear. And I call Major League Baseball Security, let them know what happened, blah, blah, blah. Never see the guy again. Oh fast, fast forward 2009, I was hit by a drunk driver in Dallas off the tollway in Frankfurt. And we were, we were, we were leaving a restaurant after one of, uh, of uh, a youth baseball game that we attended. And a buddy of mine had a two-door Jaguar. And we got clipped. And they came and clipped me out. I was in ICU for six days. They told me I would never walk again. Um, I was paralyzed for six and a half hours and three neurologists, three teams of neurologists came in with these nutcrackers and was trying to put them on my toes. And there, and the third team that came in said, if he doesn't feel this, he'll never walk again. We're going to have to teach him, you know, how, how to just live life in a wheelchair. And I heard all this and I just started crying and had a pity party for myself. I was very selfish at that moment. I'm not going to lie. Um, Cause I did not want to live life like that. But then I said a prayer and I was like, well, there's other people who've lost their limbs. They've been blown up. They've had diabetes. They Whatever happened, they've lost a limb. And they still have life. The same quality might not be right. there, but they're still alive. And 45 minutes after I said that prayer, I just I started to feel my toes again. And I started to wiggle them. And, and they rolled out my brain and my spine and everything. And I was like, wow, this is God. God cannot, you cannot tell me I'm never going to walk again or talk again because God is in control of that. That's right. I, Fast forward but it took home. you stopping to say that, though, right? It did. Yeah. I, was, I, I admit, I was very selfish. I didn't want my life to look, I did not want the rest of my life to yeah. look like that. Yeah. And so fast forward 2021, I was in, I had COVID really bad. Uh, we came back from a, an event that we held in Vegas with some of our partners. Phenomenal event. Came back, was just, it was 113 degrees here in Seattle. I was freezing. 
and had blankets on. And my wife was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I'm freezing. And then I couldn't taste, couldn't smell my wife. I said, go get the cheddar cheese and ruffle chips. Because if I can't taste that. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble. I bet you I got COVID. So long story short, I got COVID. And for a whole week, I just tried to not go to the hospital because my mom died in the hospital. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I said, babe, if I'm dying, I'm going to do it here. I'm not going to the hospital. And that was a time where people were dying. They were putting them on ventilators and all these and giving them shots. And they were just dying. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die here. And then my oxygen was 60. Oh, when, no. When I went in, a friend of hers, she was messaging a friend of hers who's a nurse and just keeping in contact with her every day. And that nurse said, listen, Jennifer, you need to take him in now. That's right. You get in the 60s. You got to go. So I, I'm like, okay, babe. I'm going to go upstairs and change. I got in the shower and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, babe, I'm just, give me a moment. And I kept stalling. I did not want to die. Go to the hospital. Long story short, they're like, I don't know how you're alive, how you're breathing. You have double pneumonia in your lungs. My urine was like black coffee, literally that color. And nothing was working. And they're like, okay, well, you need to get rendesivir and you need to get this. And then there came in my room. It was like, you have 17 hours left to live because I was in ICU for six days there. And they were like, you have six hours to live. I mean, 17 hours to live. I'm like, what you mean I got 17 hours to live? How do you know that? And they were like, well, your body's shutting down, your liver, your kidneys, nothing's taking to the medicine we're giving you. You need a plasma transplant. I'm like, okay, well, what is this plasma going to do? They had no education of what it's going to do. COVID was so new. I'm like, I called my doctor. I was like, what do I do? I was like, I'm not taking it. They can't tell me anything. And the person who had, the person who are giving me the plasma had COVID. And they were like, well, yeah, it's the antibodies. It's going to help you fight. So I called my mother-in-law, who was at Virginia Mason at the time, and uh, just called everyone. They were like, look, just take it. So they came back in my rooms 10 hours later, and they were like, look, you have seven hours left. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, my and gosh. I was like, okay, if you, oh, you guys are being for real with me, and I was crying. My wife couldn't even come in. No one could come in during COVID. So my wife was like, just take it. Do it. Yeah. So long story short, I got the plasma transfusion, and um, – and you're here on my by podcast. The, by the grace of God. Thank just, God. Listen, you I, had 27 lives. You've had 27 lives. But you know crazy. what? Listen, we're going we're gonna to wrap for a second. I don't want you to hang up on our line, but we're going to wrap this show for a moment. Um, and then we're, you and I are going to keep going on my StreamYard line. But, um, like, remarkable. I, I think if you're not following Gerald on Instagram or Facebook, definitely do that um, because – your posts are just real. I love it. Like you don't mince words. Like you just give little nuggets of wisdom and they're profound. So I think that definitely people should be following you on that because you're just so genuine on it. Um, go ahead and tell everybody again, we're, we're going to have you back because we've got, we've got to dive deeper into more of this, but um, tell everybody how to find you again. And then um, when to go to, to the Chipton to, uh, to learn more about it too. Yeah, just stay, just stay tuned on uh, www.gochip-in.com. You'll see, you'll see when we launch. Uh, we'll launch March 28th. That's our goal. Um, Instagram is Gerald, G-E-R-A-L-D, underscore smiley, S-M-I-L-E-Y. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where you can find me at. All right. Well, we are going to um, – we're going to exit the live on Fishbowl. I want to say thank you so much to Gerald. Um uh, we're going to be doing a part two with him. We have to. And um, we're going to dive into, I think, what would be really interesting 
for you, my friend, is to talk about kind of that process again, when you can break it down from an athlete perspective and think about the discipline and think about the, the repetition of what you have to do as an athlete. How do we break that down to somebody that's not an athlete, but that needs that menu driven kind of autopilot robotic menu as they're going through grief because that can be very powerful and how do we incorporate exercise even if it's just a 10 or 15 minute walk a day um to to help with that that. so we're definitely going to do that um thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight we'll be back next friday at five o'clock central i hope everyone has a great weekend and um we'll see you next week kim one thing to the viewers and the listeners do us one favor Don't let anything or anybody ruin your day today, tomorrow, or ever. You are in control of that. God bless you. We love you. That's amazing.